Hello, and welcome to People of the Pod, brought to you by American Jewish Committee. Each week, we take you beyond the headlines to help you understand what they all mean for America, Israel, and the Jewish people. I'm your host, Manya Brashear-Pashman. During the Grammys this past Sunday, Recording Academy CEO Harvey Mason Jr. remembered the 401 people murdered and 40 kidnapped by Hamas terrorists during the October 7th attack on the Nova Music Festival. Yoni Diller is a 28-year-old filmmaker from Renana, a town outside Tel Aviv. Yoni and his friend Nadav arrived at the Supernova Music Festival just a few hours before rockets began flying overhead. At daybreak, he had expected to send up a drone camera to capture the scenes of unadulterated song and dance in the desert. But he never got the chance to get his camera ready. Yoni is with us now to describe that harrowing day that started at dawn. Yoni, welcome to People of the Pod. Hey, thank you for having me. Could you please walk us through what you saw that morning? So when the sirens went on at 6.30, we saw hundreds of missiles heading our way. So we rushed back to our campsite. We packed up our stuff. We tried to leave. The parking lot was chaotic. And I suggested going a different way. This decision to head south towards Reim, which is another village, I didn't think it would change everything, but it did. On the road, people urgently told us to turn around, to do U-turn. You told me earlier that was when a car riddled with bullet holes approached you, and you found yourself helping a wounded woman. That was 25-year-old Shawnee Gabay, whose remains were identified seven weeks later. At that time, when you were helping her, you heard gunfire in the distance, and you tried to take cover in a nearby valley. Yes, I saw terrorists from a distance, and it continued to hide. A short moment later, mass shooting started in the Bay area, north of us. I checked my phone to assess our surroundings and our current location. At the same time, my friend's sister called him to check on him, to check everything's okay. He promised everything's going to be all right. And at that time, about a dozen other had joined us, and we start walking. But the best thing I could do at that moment is scream to everyone to get down, because bullets were flying on top of our head. So when the gunshots stopped for a second, we decided to head towards Patish. It was more than 24 kilometers away. My intuition told me that this would be safer there. Did you just say 24 kilometers away? How did you make it through an almost 15-mile walk? We were walking in fields, the open fields in the desert, without food or water for over four and a half hours. It was really, really tough. The fear and uncertainty made it even harder. At some point, Nadav found a single grapefruit that gave us enough energy to finish the long walk to Patish. During this journey, we continued to hear automatic gunfire, Finally, after four and a half hours, we arrived at Patish. Emotions were mixed because we began to learn the enormity of what had happened. Friends were missing, and there were rumors of many people hurt and worse from the festival. Later on, around two o'clock in the afternoon, the bus came to take us away, bringing us to, to Beersheba and then to Tel Aviv. And then I arrived to Ranana, finally, safe and sound, one piece. I hugged my family, and I understood just how lucky I have been. So can you kind of explain to our audience what is so wonderful about this festival, this trance culture and this music, this experience? Yes. Look, so trance, side trance, electronic music, 
Personally, for me, it's not a genre. It's like you said, it's a culture. It's the people in it, okay? It's the free spirit people, liberal people. It's all about spreading love. It doesn't have to be in a hippie way, just more in a way that everything is very simple, you know? Simply just be a good person, giving, ego's not involved, there's people, very laid back people. And that's the whole idea behind all these festivals. And that's what's for me. It's about the people, it's about the music, it's about the art, it's everything together. I joined a group of friends, uh, friends of friends, we were like total more than 20 people. And two of them lost their lives there and two others that I know from another group that went with me to high school also. One got killed and actually the other one got kidnapped. You know, these festivals, you know, from event to event, you get to know people from everywhere. So it's a small world. Your companion who was kidnapped, has he been released? Any word on where they are now? No, one of them is still there. Hopefully he's still alive. I'm not even sure what's less worse, being kidnapped, a hostage, or being killed. We don't really know what they're going through over there. And, you know, the best we can do is just wish for them to be released, no matter what the circumstances are. Yes, my colleagues here at AJC are working to bring about the safe return of all the hostages. Listeners can go to AJC.org slash bring them home to learn more about those efforts. Yoni, do you feel like people outside Israel fully grasp the gravity of what happened to people there or the really how truly innocent the festival goers were? Unfortunately, you know, this generation wants to get fast news and simple news comfortably and a lot of them consume content from you know platforms like TikTok or Instagram. And unfortunately there's a lot of fake news out there, a lot of false accusations and you know people so sometimes deny that October 7th happened. And that's really unfortunate. I'll give you an example. I was in the US. I flew to the US after the event. I was part of this special delegation to do advocacy and telling the story to politicians in DC and New York. And also, independently, later after this delegation, I stayed another week in the States and I took the train to these campuses and I spoke and told my story. You know, campuses like uh, NYU, Columbia, I went to Harvard, MIT, Yale, and Princeton. Six campuses in three days. It wasn't easy. I was really exhausted. But the fact that I had that meaning that, you know, I'm there to tell the story, not for me. I'm not telling the story for I'm telling the story for people to actually know what really happened, you know, the truth. I'm saying this for people who weren't lucky to tell the story themselves or for the families. So what I saw when I told the story is a lot of people were actually in shock. Like, wow, I didn't know this would really happen. Like, how can you not know? We're in 2023. Information hasn't been easier to be delivered from place to place up until this moment. And how do you know, know exactly what happened? There's videos everywhere. You mentioned that students were actually shocked when they heard your testimony and what happened. What other kinds of reactions are you getting, both reassuring reactions and negative reactions? I would say that the positive reactions, I had a lot of good reactions. I mean, most of the people I spoke to were through this Hillel organization and the campuses. And people come up to me after the event and they feel very sorry. And it was really nice. But I would say that the only um, time that I, I dealt with something that was maybe negative was at Princeton. There was this guy, some 18-year-old kid 
apparently he's not one of the Israeli supporters, I would say, is an understatement. And he had a weird comment. It took him actually 10 minutes to ask me a question. At the end of the lecture, you know, I asked anyone has any questions. And he asked me something. He was very, uh, he was very embarrassed to ask me this, but he said something about, should we feel bad for the Palestinians? Have they been oppressed for many years? Is October 7th was legitimate? It should have happened. Something in that kind of way. So instead of attacking him and trying to humiliate him or trying to make him look really bad and make him look silly, I told him, look, I can talk to you about it. No problem. I'm not here to talk about politics or giving history lessons. I'm just here to tell my story. This is what happened. Again, I can get into it, but I wasn't really interested. You know, I mean, I wasn't sure it was really appropriate to just get into that because he just wanted to find some action. In terms of like anti-Semitism or just being against Israel, I see it's a very broad trend nowadays. It's like I had this event with Douglas Murray the other day. And he said, this generation is Gen Z. You know, everyone wants to be an activist. Everyone wants to be an influencer in some way. And people calling Israel, uh, you know, telling them they're colonialists or doing genocide, all that. It's very easy to use these buzzwords. Okay, but most of the people don't even know what they mean. And most of the people, when they shout to the river to the sea, don't even know which sea or which river they're talking about. But a lot of these people feel this sense of meaning, oh, we're part of something, although they don't know 100% what they're part of. So my mission or my one of my meanings is to educate people and telling them in a very simple way what really happened, because I'm the proof of October 7th. Uh, I'm an evidence to all this thing happened. So no one can actually tell me that this didn't happen. Yoni, I'm curious how you are healing, how you are taking care of yourself, and whether these opportunities to speak about what happened are therapeutic, and what music is playing in your healing process. Well, as I tell the story more, at some point I feel it comes out more easy and less challenging. As I tell it more, I feel I've, I've become stronger you know, because you just can't keep this stuff in your stomach. You got to share the stuff and be very careful how you share. I read this book, Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. I'm sure you've heard about it. And I read this book while I was doing this whole advocacy work and, you know, doing this journey in the States and Europe. And it gave me a lot of strength. And it was part of my healing process, you know, search this, uh, have this meaning. But the main point wasn't really, you know, just spreading the story everywhere. I mean, it was important. How do I bridge that story to something more positive? So that was part of my healing process. In addition, I have friends and family who are very supportive, and I'm very lucky to have them. And do you encounter, is it mostly Jewish audiences with whom you speak, or do you encounter non-Jewish audiences and recipients? It's mixed. It's mixed. Mostly mixed. Uh, A lot of them are Jews, though, because I was hosted by Hillel, so a lot of them were Jews. Also for uh, security reasons. At that time, I decided to go to Harvard and MIT when there were all the riots. I went there by myself to speak and they had to make sure everything's secure. They had police at the outside, the inside. They really kept everything very safe. And did you get any surprising reactions from non-Jewish audience members? Just from that incident in Princeton. But if the event was more like for everyone sure I would get responses from so many other people and it would be a disaster. It would just be a mess because it would be me probably arguing with a couple of kids, screaming stuff like free Palestine and stuff, things that have no connection to what I came for. 
and you know, it just misses the whole purpose. So we try to do it something more organized, more with the Jewish crowd. Because let me tell you this, okay? A lot of Jews, Israelis that live in the States, wherever it is, in the campuses, they know what happened. Most of them don't know from a survivor or someone who's really there. In addition, a lot of them don't have the self-confidence to combat this anti-Semitism and hate in their surroundings. They feel afraid to stand up. I mean, if I survived, I'm just a simple Ashkenazi guy from Ranana and you know, I survived it. You know, I wouldn't consider myself a big hero. I mean, I was very lucky. And again, you know, I've been through hell, but the last thing I should do is be silent and just stay home. I got to speak up. Hey guys, look, this is what happened. You know, get your head up. People are much worse situation. You have no reason to be afraid. We've been through the Holocaust. We've been through, you know, 3000 years of hell and we've always survived. So we're resilient. And that's kind of the message that I came to convey. You know, that's, one of the reasons I'm there to speak, you know, again, you cannot fight anti-Semitism with the other side's kind of uh, method. Let's say they would scream stuff and be violent. You can't play that game. Let them yell and play that game or spread their lies. What you should do is, you know, you got to really pick your crowd. Like I said, you got to pick your people. You got to be more united. You got to speak. You got to spread facts. That's what you should do. Every Jew in the world. Because we're stronger than ever and nothing can break us. History has shown it. Yoni, do you think that you will return to the Supernova Festival or any other music festival? Do you think you'll dance again? I'll even dance more. You know, this is what they want to disregarding what happened and everything. I guess that these terrorist organizations, not only they want to like physically hurt you, they also want to mentally break you. Okay. And they want you to fear them. So the last thing you should do is be afraid of that. So you got to do the opposite. They probably would want me not to dance anymore, not to go to these festivals or just not enjoy my life. I'll do the opposite. I will go and I'll dance even more often or I'll just, you know, create more joy. And that's one of the ways to really combat that battle. So to your question, yes, I will not stop. Maybe it will take me some time. I'm not sure if I'm still ready, but slowly, you know, you got to listen to yourself first. That's the most important. Yoni, thank you so much for sharing your story, and I hope to see you dancing again very soon. Hey, thank you so much for having me. Hopefully people can hear this and I can spread the word. If you missed last week's episode, be sure to tune in for my conversation with another supernova survivor, Tal Shimoni, as she discusses the genesis of the exhibit Nova 629, where the community aims to tell their story and honor those killed and taken hostage. Tal guides us through the horrors she witnessed during the deadliest attack on a music event in history. This episode is brought to you by AJC. Our producer is Atara Lakritz. Our sound engineer is TK Broderick. You can follow People of the Pod on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and learn more at AJC.org slash People of the Pod. The views and opinions of our guests don't necessarily reflect the positions of AJC. You can reach us at peopleofthepod at ajc.org. And if you appreciated this episode, please share it with friends and family and write a review on Apple Podcasts.